1: As much as he touts that he
2: cares about it, he doesn't.
0: This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the eighteenth day of March, the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty two. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite Marty Foster. Marty, it's good to see you. How are you this week?
1: I'm I'm very well, thank you. Um we had a, a day of it on the um on the fifteenth. The skies turned orange in the morning and we were showered with Saharan sand again. So those car washes where they give people national insurance numbers for, for working here illegally have been pretty busy just recently, because everyone's cars were covered in, in, a, in a dusting of Saharan sand.
0: Mm, mm. Well, I'm glad to see that the sun has returned to England once again, because it's quite dreary during the, uh, well, all of Europe really, is quite dreary during the, uh, the winter months. And uh, we look forward to coming out of the, the long, cold winter and the gray skies and getting back to some sunshine and some warmer weather.
1: Yeah. I mean, today was a beautiful sunny day. However, cold, very cold. Um, In my little studio here, I didn't have the heating on because I had the doors wide open to get some fresh air around the place. Uh, But as the day progressed, it has become colder and colder. And as you can see, I'm now huddled in a blanket with a scarf on, three pullovers, and I wish I had my fingerless gloves because I left them in the house.
0: Well, we will get through this as quickly as possible. Bruce, how are you today?
2: Healthy, alive, uh, doing well. Yeah, we're uh, uh, having nice sunny weather here. Feels very spring. So uh not to rub it into the uh the rest of you, but uh, you know, it's nice here.
0: Well, to be honest with you, I I think all of that is trumped by the god awful petrol prices, is it not? Yeah. How the how the petrol prices in the UK, Marty? Here it's I, I went past the station today. It is two oh five, I think it is, per liter.
1: It's gone up to about one sixty nine a liter for regular petrol. And the higher octane stuff is about pound seventy a litre. And diesel is on the rise, maybe nearly pound eighty on average. Uh, but it's all right because Boris Johnson has just gone to Saudi and to yes. the UAE and yes. um, asked them to, to
0: produce more oil, which apparently they are anyway. Yeah, and it just so happens that uh, there's a huge gas field that was just discovered under the North Sea in the UK, is set to mine it. But yet Boris is toddling off to Saudi Arabia to have a nice conversation down there about producing more oil, because that makes sense, right? They found an estimated 3 billion barrels underneath the North Sea, and it just so happens that this coincides right with the time that we're putting sanctions on Russia for Russian oil. Funny how they just found it, huh?
1: Uh, I was wondering what had happened to the oil fields underneath the Falkland Islands, because that war in 1982 was actually for not to save a few thousand Falkland Islanders from having to learn Spanish, but because there are oil reserves under the Falklands. Of course, as a byproduct, we we did mount a, a damn fine defense of the Falkland
0: Islands and really gave those conscript argies a right good bashing. Hooray. Our Argentine listeners are probably a little upset now. You see what you've done? You've cost us our Argentine well, There's sarcasm
1: listenership. in my voice, isn't there? The, 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 the we, we had modern state-of-the-art uh, equipment, well-trained men. Admittedly, it was a very long way to get there to deliver the message. But it was the, it was the way in which, at the time, the whole country could pull together. People were sleeping at their workbenches, maintaining constant effort to get all the equipment and um, resources ready to go for that little conflict. And it was quite an impressive feat. It, It gave the country
0: something to be proud of and gave Margaret Thatcher another term in office. Indeed it did. But again, you don't have to worry too much about uh, about your fuel now. I'd, actually, this could sustain Europe for quite some time, really, if you think about it. Uh, the UK has received a major energy boost as a new gas field has been discovered under the North Sea off the coast of East Anglia. Well, it's funny how they just happened to mention it now. And well, yeah, see, there's a There's something else that's quite interesting about this. Um, I I don't know if this has anything to do with it or not. but According to offshore exploration and production company IOG, the field, which has the backing of U.S. billionaire Warren Buffett, produced its first gas earlier this week. The discovery could help the U.K. avoid the skyrocketing prices that are expected in the EU as Russian President Vladimir Putin threatened to turn off the taps of the gas pipelines from Russia.
1: Well, they had probably known about that. Particular field for some time. The only reason they haven't managed to um or even bothered to try and access the gas is because that particular area off the coast of East Anglia is a very ecologically sensitive part of the scene. It's quite shallow because obviously Norfolk uh, and Suffolk used to be joined where the Hook of Holland is. And as the, the um plates have shifted away. So it's quite a shallow sea. You've got breeding numbers of different types of seal that live on the on the um shoals, the the sand that's right out in the middle of the um North Sea, in between Holland and and Norfolk and Suffolk. And uh, you've also got some much desired seafood. That comes from that area like chroma crabs and and a few other things a lot of so they probably haven't
0: come from the north sea as well
1: yeah but they they, they probably haven't bothered because they knew there would be too much of a protest from the eco perspective about mining that area because it's going to cause damage it's going to cause ecological damage they cannot mine oil or gas without doing so and now the prices are high enough that kind of silences your eco warrior, doesn't it, to a certain extent? Um, because the the groundswell of opinion and support has suddenly gone. No one cares anymore. As soon as they've had to put, um, you know, their, their house up for a, a, on another mortgage just to fill their car up. But the other thing to consider is that you can't sell the idea of electric cars to everybody. While
0: gas prices are cheap. Bruce, you look like you want to jump in there.
2: Uh, I just want to point out that uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, America has not fallen too far from the tree. The leaves don't fall too far from the tree, knowing that the, the UK went after another country because of oil. It's, it's very in line with America and our <laughs> conquests, if you will. Well, uh, not really, because we, focused don't, on oil.
0: we don't take the oil when we go into a country to do that. We just go in there, we bomb the hell out of the damn place, and then we just don't do anything after that. We just leave.
2: Well, we we, we ensure that our um, the individuals we have alliances with that produce our oil, that we buy oil from, are uh, content. Um, so. And, of course, yeah.
1: compliant and friendly. So, so a quick regime change and put your puppet in place. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. makes
0: sure that, that that stays the way. Um,
1: exactly.
0: Oh, and they get KFCs and, and Pizza Huts and McDonald's.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and obviously, that way they can be sanctioned by the closure of said fast food restaurants. Yeah, did you hear about um, the Russian if they guy? Get out of
0: line. Did you hear about the Russian guy? He, he went into Which McDonald's. Uh, there, was, there was a Russian guy who went into a McDonald's in Moscow today, and he handcuffed himself to one of those tables that were bolted to the floor. In McDonald's and he wasn't leaving. And he said as long as he was staying in there, then they wouldn't be allowed to close the store.
1: That's amazing. That's something to to fight and die
2: for. High salt, yeah. high cholesterol, really to, low quality food. To be fair, uh the, the McDonald's does not have to do anything for the next six months at least, because that guy is he'll be fine for the next six months. Was he a big guy then? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he, he's a very large individual. Yes. Oh, he was did, large. Did, he was very
0: large. Let's yeah. just say gluttony was high up on the list for him.
1: What is Russian for I want my
0: nug-nugs? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, that I, I man know know. Is,
2: is the, uh, yeah. It
0: was very large. Okay, Um. that's enough of uh, of the, the oil and gas stuff. Um, do you have anything else that you want you want to touch on is there anything you, that's crossed your uh, your path this week marty that you want to uh, you want to touch on because I wanted to spend a, a good percentage of time today talking about emergency preparedness uh, and I ran this by you the other day and you uh, you said it'd be a great idea as we get to the point of emergency preparedness we need to talk about the events that are leading up to it that would cause us to prepare for these types of things so is there anything involving the events of the day this week that have crossed your mind that would lead into that such as oh I don't know the conflict that's going on in Eastern Europe or anything like that uh, anything like that that's that's bugging you or um, that you've seen that we haven't discussed this week that you want to give perspective on before we get into the emergency preparedness stuff. Well what's bugging me
1: is the way in which media, social media, it's all Ukraine good, Russia bad. The truth of it is it's Ukraine leadership bad, Russia leadership bad, Ukraine and Russian people are one and the same and don't deserve to be being put through this. The conflict has caused a mass exodus from Ukraine. Something like a million a week refugees have been leaving uh, across the borders into Poland and Romania. And we are being encouraged to accept them into our homes um, here in the UK. They're they're paying £350 per month for everybody who gives a room to a Ukrainian family in their their homes. Um, I haven't seen any real evidence of a huge number of Ukrainians turning up on our shores because they're having a real hard time producing the paperwork they need to get the visa. So where I'm going with this is we in the UK could have been self-sufficient in food. The Ukraine is the biggest producer of wheat and other arable crops in Europe. And we're being told here in the UK that we keep covering our arable land with wind farms. I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I've talked to you guys about it. The Kalergi plan suggests that you get this mass movement of migrants from sub Saharan Africa, from the Middle East, and then moving up into. Um, Eastern Europe, moving into Western Europe, creating a zero-asset slave population that will just do the bidding of whoever's in charge, so the elites. So if you empty Ukraine of all its population, it just becomes a great big wheat farm
0: And who's who's going to get that week? Well, that's interesting you bring that up. I I posted a video a couple of days ago of, uh, do do you remember the the guy that I played a while back? He was from Australia. His name was Ricardo Bosi. You remember him? He was talking about the Aussie Defence Forces. You need to stand out there with the people, unarmed, and yeah. you know, you remember that, right? Yeah. He's back out, and he's he's weighed in on this, uh, and I'd like you to hear what he has to say. This guy, he's he's former head of the Australian the, the Aussie Special Forces, so he's got a little bit of credibility. So he's not just some you know, some Joe. But listen to this and see if you can agree with this uh, or not.
3: I've mentioned this a couple of times. So forgive me if you've heard this before, but it's important. A lot of people haven't heard it. What's going on in Ukraine? First of all, it's a massive distraction. They're trying to distract you away from what's really going on in, in every everybody everybody's home country. Now, the Ukraine is, uh, this is not what you think it is. The Ukraine, let's get technical first. The Ukraine is not a sovereign state. It does not have internationally recognized sovereign borders. It's still part of Russia, has been since the 10th century. How about that? Now, lots have in between. We understand that. But this is like Russia invading Russia. That's all it is. Now, second point, the Ukrainian people are very upset, we, particularly the Ukrainians in Australia. I get it. But guess what? You've been lied to, just like the Australian people have been lied to. We think we're a sovereign nation. We're not. The Ukrainians think they're a sovereign nation. They are not. See, the truth is slowly going to come out about what's really going on. And what's really going on is this. The Ukraine has been the centre of uh, of the globalists for decades and decades and decades, 70 years at least. CIA, which is not a good organisation, they're they're the the implementers of deep state, let's say, they've been working this in the Ukraine for 70 years, building up a resistance to everybody and everything. Why? Because they needed to bring the Soviet Union down, but they also want the resources that are in the Ukraine. That's what this is all about, particularly eastern Ukraine, massive natural resources that CIA goes in, gets control of, and American business interests, and they're not business, they're just robber barons. They're not legitimate businessmen. They just want to steal. And that's what goes on. And so they're taking that away from, from, the, from Russia and the Ukraine. And on top of that, it's the center of the deep state. And so by Vlad Putin going in, he's cutting the head off the snake. Once Ukraine goes down, because they've already taken out the capital of uh, Kazakhstan. And if you want to have a look at what's weird, go look at the, the architecture in Kazakhstan. And, and tell me this is normal architectural uh buildings of a struggling nation. But Ukraine? That's the head of the snake, and Vlad's taking the head off. Once the head comes off, the whole beast will die. So that's what's actually going on, folks. So please, they are going to tell you their stories about um, possible nuclear war, and Vlad's the bad man. This is the war with Russia that they wanted with Hillary Clinton as president because she lost. The whole war against Russia was postponed. This is the plan they always had, to destroy Russia because they don't have a a banking system that is under the Rothschilds. What a a dangerous (laughs) course of action that is and they want to get a hold of the resources. This is them taking... Down. Anyway, so Vlad's taking down Deep State. He's helping. He's cutting the head off the snake. So that's what's going on. So ignore all the uh, the chatter you're going to hear over the next little while about potential nuclear war and uh, Russia's attempt to take over the globe. Completely the opposite. So that's the Ukraine. And uh, so pay attention, but please do your own research. Don't, um, for goodness sake, <laughs> don't watch mainstream media because... Uh, if their lips are moving, just like the politicians, if the media's lips are moving, they're lying.
0: What's your take on that?
1: I find it easy to believe, but you have to put some of it to scrutiny and be naturally sceptical about a number of things because you can you can observe something that's happening um, and and come to your own conclusions. Now, whether that's what he's done or whether he's got some other information that he's not sharing. And if he, if he was to share it, then it would be irrefutable what he's saying. But at the moment, I'm, I'm prepared to be convinced by his argument, but I would like to see some more evidence. Now, that evidence would be something that exonerates Vladimir Putin from his connection to the World Economic Forum. And, and the fact that he was a, a young global leader, because if he if he has gone rogue, which is something we've discussed, and he is cutting the head off the snake or trying to, then I would imagine the, the response would be uh, a lot stronger from the rest of the world, rather than just this, oh dear, poor Ukrainians, we must help their refugees. And in the meantime, who's actually fighting Putin off? And a lot of his attacks seem to have stalled, or rather, that's what's being reported. So whether you believe that or not is entirely up to you. I think the guy in the clip talks very confidently, very clearly. And I wouldn't say I would like to believe him, but I am prepared to believe him. However, I would like more evidence that Vladimir Putin isn't the raving loon or conspirator that we think he is.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good assessment. That's a good assessment. Again, there are some things in there that I agree with him on, uh, and there are other things that I don't. Uh, I'm just as skeptical as you are. But he did say, to his credit, he did say, do your own research and think for yourself and don't pay attention to the mainstream media. I think we can all agree on that.
1: The problem is, sorry, I just have to stop you yeah, there. The problem is the phrase do your own research requires people who have been fed uh, a complete feed of bullshit by the mainstream media to the point where they are so gaslit, they don't know whether they're coming or going. Most of them have just given up and and they won't bother to do their own research. They won't bother to get their news from other sources. They will just carry on. They'll turn the news off. They might hear the odd bit on the radio news as they're doing something else. And all of that is still feeding the idea that Ukraine, or at least Zelensky. Is a great guy and a superhero, and wow, how brave of him to stand against the the Russian bear! And that uh, Vladimir Putin is evil. So, like the guy in the clip says, because I can't pronounce his name, I'm sorry, Ricardo. Ricardo, I can pronounce Ricardo. It's the second part that I'm not so Bose. good at. Hey, Bose. Bose.
0: Yeah, Bosi. Yeah, B O S
1: I. Bosi. Oh, okay. Sorry, Ricardo Bosi. As he said in the clip, I forgot what I was going to say. Now you confuse me. Thanks, mate. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> people need to do their own research the problem is that most people won't and what ricardo said was because i've remembered now is if the politicians lips are moving or the mainstream media anchors lips are moving you know they're lying which you've said for years here
0: you've said exactly that
1: i have but i'm not at all sure if i haven't been gaslit by you you see <laughs> me uh, this is this is the way this is the way this whole situation the last two or three years have got people it's difficult to know whether my opinions, opinions should change. And I've always said, you're welcome to my opinion, but opinions should change as the evidence presents itself to you. And certainly over the last three years, my idea of who was doing the right thing and who's doing the wrong thing have totally changed, which is why I'm prepared to, to listen to Ricardo. But I would like something a bit more undeniable
0: to back what he says up. You know, to your point there about people's opinions changing, you know, I, I was uh, I was hitting both of you with some things that I found in the last few days here of some research that I've been doing. Uh, I've been doing some research into a man named Klaus Schwab. You guys heard of him? Yeah? You guys you guys heard of a guy named Klaus Schwab? Yeah? Yeah, he's a Danish hairdresser, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yes. He is, he, I tell you what, my, my opinion of that man has changed in the last... Seventy-two hours. It's changed quite a bit, and I can't get any more detailed than that. Uh, but just know that you, as the listener, there is some research that myself uh, and Bruce, to a great extent, are putting together on what we can find out about Mister Klaus Schwab. And he is—I I, will—I will say this: he is not who we think he is. That's all that I can say at the moment. Is he is not who we think he is, and more than that, he's not who he portrays himself to be. Now, that's not some kind of conspiratorial stuff. I Again, I only deal in things that I can prove. Uh, and thus far, I've been able to to prove everything that I've said that I've informed the two of you about. But we'll be getting into that uh, in the coming, uh, I don't know, I, w- I want to say I need about another week to kind of nail all this stuff down that I've that I found and that, that I'm continuing to find because this is a a big spider web of just, I, I don't even know how to, to like, I, I'm looking at everything right now from 35,000 feet up. And I need to get down on it with a microscope because I'm just now getting all the pieces laid out on the table and I'm starting to uh, to make the connections. Uh, and it's going to take some time because this is quite extensive. But uh, just know this, what you know of Klaus Schwab, what you think you know of Klaus Schwab, and that, that went for myself as well. What I thought I knew about Klaus Schwab was not accurate at all. I kind of suspected. I'll put it that way. I kind of suspected some things, but not to this level. Uh, And this is this is going to be interesting. What we can find out about this guy, because either him or whoever he's working for have gone to great lengths to make sure that who he is is not known. I'll I'll just put it that way. So yeah, there's 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 other things going on uh, behind the scenes, and that's that's what we need to get at. Are the other things that are going on behind the scenes? Because as Marty said before. When we see people like uh, Schwab and, and Gates and, and Soros and, and the rest of these guys, whatever, these are the people we're meant to see. These are the faces that we're supposed to see. These are the policies that we're supposed to see. But understand something, it's not them that are even creating these policies. I'll even throw this curveball at you. Klaus Schwab's not the one that came up with the idea of the World Economic Forum, but yet he's the founder and the uh, the chief uh, the, and the head of it now. Why? Again, these are things that are going to be answered in the coming days, hopefully, hopefully, if, if more research goes the way we need it to go. But anyway, all right, let's 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 transition from this because everything that's going on in Ukraine has caused this whole thing of, uh, well, everything's Putin's fault, right? Everything's Putin's fault. All the gas, the high fuel prices, petrol prices, oil prices, whatever, that's all Putin's fault. Uh, the commodities market, that's all Putin's fault the inflation, that's all Putin's fault. It doesn't matter. If a car gets hit by another car out in the middle of an intersection somewhere, somehow that's Vladimir Putin's fault. That's where the media is now, is that right there. Zelensky's the hero. Vladimir Putin is, uh, I, I think the media is trying to paint him as uh, as uh, the next Hitler or something. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. With all of this happening, all this, all this fear that's being thrown around, that agenda is slowly starting to fall away about the Ukraine thing. The whole idea of the, the bio labs, the, uh, the neo-Nazi brigades that have been trained by American CIA people. The U.S. is now arming these groups in there again. That's falling apart. People are starting to say, hey, wait a minute, you're arming groups in there. You're arming proxy groups. You're getting the contractors spun back up. And you as the politician, you're you're fueling that war. When you've got investments in military contractors, you're double dipping here. You're making money. So people are starting to see through that. So guess what's coming back? COVID's coming back, isn't it? You look at a lot of these countries, all oh, record cases. You thought it wasn't going to happen. South Korea, 690 something thousand new cases, largest single day increase in since the beginning or whatever, right? China, last night. Marty, did you see what happened in, in uh, Shenzhen last night? Did you see that? No, you're going to have to enlighten me. Oh, goodness. Last night, you know, the big, tall, high rise buildings that they've got in China, you know, where the, the residential uh, blocks that they've got, you know, the big, yeah, big yeah. tall buildings. This is what happened last night in Shenzhen. Shenzhen has been completely locked down. So they've got 17 million in lockdown there. This is what happened. One hundred buildings, one hundred residential buildings. They sent masses of vans and buses there to haul off residents of one hundred buildings off to covid camps. COVID quarantine camps. Uh. So again, the COVID agenda is coming back. You're starting to see it. Oh, we've got a new variant that's that's gripping Australia. We've got a new variant that's been discovered in Europe. The midterms are coming up in America. Guess what? As soon as those are over, you're going to have COVID restrictions again, too. So again, one agenda stops. The next one comes along. It gives them cover for the market crash that's coming. Market crash happens. Then you've got problems in the supply chain. Whatever supply chain you had left is now gone. Prices are going to skyrocket with inflation. Bruce, you got something to say on it?
2: I don't think the Shenzhen thing is... uh, I don't think it's pushing... So our media is going to use the Shenzhen thing to push it as a... Oh, see, look, COVID. uh, And they're going to try to exploit that. I I don't think China intends the Shenzhen thing to be a push for more COVID lockdowns and stuff. I think this is a diversion... To the fact that they just did economic sanctions on the US or yes. well, the West in general, because yes. that is a manufacturing Shenzhen has a lot of manufacturing for technological stuff, you know, your your uh smartphones and those kind of things. Uh and they just shut it all down. And you notice it, it's funny, they they
0: just moved the microchip manufacturing to Germany. They just signed that deal the other day. So that's gonna cut China out of the mix.
1: So do you think that given that China provided us with COVID in the first place? obviously paid for by Fauci and others. Do you think that the real ringmasters have
0: now done the dirty on Xi Jinping? I don't know. I I really don't know. Because again, this goes back to the Putin thing. Because if you look at it, if you, you look at the agenda of uh, of these Western, whatever these these morons are that are running, whatever it is they're running here, the whole idea was denationalize, right? Get rid of your sovereign borders. Get rid of your national identities and everything else, right? Russia and China have not done that. They haven't done it. Russia has not opened their borders. They haven't taken in any any, uh, uh, any people from any other countries. The Chinese haven't done that either. So they're not going along with the program. That's the only thing that I could say. And that's, I mean, I guess that's kind of circumstantial at best. That's kind of, you know, reaching at straws here. But that's the only thing that I could say that would possibly back up or corroborate them going outside of whatever, you know, outside of whatever but agenda. I, they're not following this uh, at all. I, I
1: kind of see where you're going with that. But migrants, refugees... People fleeing civil wars and oppression in their own countries don't run towards totalitarian countries. So, China, Russia, Saudi Arabia—despite um, the fact that the Saudis, I think, probably for show, um, prepared lots of um, refugee stations uh, on the edges of their of their country, ready to accept people from Syria and. Other countries across the Middle East, as as the Arab Spring raged, I don't think any of those countries have been under any kind of pressure to take refugees because people who are fleeing oppression do not run to totalitarian countries. So maybe those people that we were seeing being put into hundreds, and you're quite right, there were hundreds of of vans with um, blue flashing lights that had been attached. Maybe those those people have just scored badly on the social credit scoring, and it's could time be. to do something with them. Could be, um, or maybe it could the, be
0: the, it could be political theater. It could be more theater because that's what we saw a lot of coming out of China to begin with was just another. A yeah, lot of sure,
1: but I, and I think no one be, uh, believes that um, a country would weld its own people shut inside a building. They're doing it again, and. and but then again, they're, they're murdering millions of ethnic Muslims in their own country as well. And no one's doing anything about it. People are protesting. The Ouija Muslims are, are being, you know, there's, there's genocide going on there. And the rest of the world has just let the summer and the winter Olympic Games take place in that country. The, the other thing is you look at the size of China, you look at the size of Russia, they don't need. To be part of the european union they don't need to be part of some pan-asian organization because they are many many countries smaller you know if, if you take them the model of of the size of a country during the the medieval times countries were much smaller they expanded through war and became bigger And then the British conquered everyone and drew new borders everywhere. So countries like China and like Russia are actually many countries all inside one border now. So they don't need to belong to the EU. They don't need to belong to a pan-Asian conglomerate of countries because they're big enough to sustain themselves because they've got everything they need. And if they haven't got it, they've got the money to go into other countries, developing countries, and bribe their way to it. Mm-hmm. Sudan, Afghanistan, all the way across Africa, in fact, the Chinese influence is huge. So I'm even hearing about an increase in the in the cases of COVID. My answer to everyone who's told me is uh you know, told me about it. Oh, yeah, there's lots of COVID going about. I said, Yeah, that's because more people are now vaccinated and they're producing the protein spike. So when they go for a test, that protein spike is detected, which means that, oh, wow, they've got COVID and have to go and isolate. Yeah,
0: I know people that are, I know people that are jabbed that that are sick. So it's like, what what, what can you do? Uh, Okay, let's talk about some emergency preparedness. I've been taking some steps over the last few months uh, to try and prepare myself more. I mean, I always try to stay a little bit prepared. But through times of economic hardship, things are going to change. And there are days of economic hardship on the horizon. And there's no way for that to stop, even if they stopped everything right now. And the world went back to the way it was pre-COVID and everybody was holding hands and singing kumbaya, yeah, they still couldn't stop the economic collapse that's coming. That's the course that we're on, and we're going to have to go through it. So some of the things uh, that, I would, uh, that I would start doing, uh, and that's just me. Bruce has already got a list out. That's great. That's fantastic. I touched on a little bit yesterday, cutting costs, right? Cutting costs. And I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Do you really need the cable TV, the satellite TV? Do, do you really need that? As in right now, right now, do you do you need it, given what's coming? Do you need the extra beer money? Uh, and I know we've got a, an Englishman here that likes to, you know, go, to, go around to the, the pub for a pint every now and again. I get it. But do you really need to spend the extra money on, oh, I don't know, uh, going out? I know that we haven't been able to go to restaurants and things like that for quite some time. But I mean, let's be honest here. How much are you going to spend at a restaurant? What could you do with that? I don't know, $100, $150? or pounds or euros or whatever, what could you do with that that could prepare you to deal with what's coming? Today, for example, I went out and I, I just bought some the other day and it came. I bought another 100 days worth of instant coffee packets. You know, the little sticks, you know, those things that you get on like airlines and that kind of stuff, you know, whatever and like little emergency rations, that kind of stuff. I bought 100 of those today for eight euros, you know, which is about nine dollars, something like that. Am I going to drink those? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, I will, I guess, if push comes to shove. But am I going to drink those? No. But they'll keep for three years, and I'll be able to trade them. I could use those to trade off to somebody else for something that they might have that I need in times of economic hardship. Because coffee is one of those things that people have an addiction to, and it becomes rationed in times of economic hardship. So these extra costs that we have, you know, the subscription to Netflix, the subscription to Spotify, the, uh, I I don't know, the baseball subscription. uh, We're we're watching uh, the gladiatorial arenas, the modern gladiatorial arenas, uh, which is football, by the way, on the networks. We're watching chariot races. That's NASCAR, by the way. So do you really need to spend the extra money on all this other stuff that's not going to matter? All this other stuff that's, uh, that's quite frankly, I believe in the current time and where we're headed, I think it's a waste of money because this is a prime example of money that you could be saving to put towards some storable food for yourself or your family. That's just my opinion. I, I'm not trying to offend anybody here by saying that. Uh, you're welcome to continue on with that stuff if you like. But I'm just saying priorities need to start taking precedent, especially at this late out.
1: I, I have to disagree to a certain extent. Please. Um, by the time um, you're gonna that that you're actually gonna need whatever you've stockpiled, you won't be paying your Netflix, you won't be paying your your Spotify or your Amazon um, subscriptions because the the banking system will have shut down. You'll be overdrawn. You won't have a pot in which to piss, as we like to say in the United Kingdom. All you will have is whatever you've managed to gather. So. As these times get more and more troubled, and and the crises build up and up and up, and inflation, which I believe in the US is today was running at seven point four percent. Here in the UK, it's a its highest level ten.
0: What? Wow! So consumer price index um, in the US hit ten percent inflation, highest in its history. Two days ago, the um, the Bank of England, which isn't really the Bank
1: of England, is it? But the Bank of England raised interest rates again today. However, it's only put those really—they're they're only transferred onto loans, they onto debt. They haven't transferred onto savings because the—I think I heard it quoted today—that in the quick access or or unlimited access savings accounts, the interest rate is zero point zero one percent. Um, which is absolutely diabolical. It might be zero, but it's not 0.1. It's definitely 0.01%. So they've raised interest rates for the third time in three months. So everyone with mortgages, everyone with loans, everyone with credit cards um, will be getting poorer and poorer and poorer. Only the debt-free will be cushioned from what could happen um, but they won't be cushioned for long because it doesn't take long to run out of the your your accrued wealth when a loaf of bread is costing you twenty bucks or twenty pounds instead of one pound fifty. So it's only a matter of time. So all you're gonna have left is whatever you've you've managed to um to put aside. If what you're saying is stop spending money on entertainment and spend it on stockpiling. People won't be so keen on that, and the reason people won't be so keen on that is because if it doesn't happen, they're going to look bloody stupid, and in the meantime, they're going to be bored and miserable without their Netflix and without their Spotify and without their Amazon Prime. Fair point. So they might as well enjoy whatever is available to them at the moment and save some of that money and use it to stockpile things like you suggested. Things that um, will keep for years, things that will possibly give you the opportunity to trade later on, particularly things that that people are addicted to, like cigarettes, caffeine, all those kind of things. I'm not talking about drugs, hard drugs, class A's, class B's, um, because believe no, you me- but- over the, I'm sure the dealers have already got that
0: that supply chain sorted. Oh, they do. Yeah. The uh, no, that you, you're you're absolutely right about that. I was going to say later on, uh, over the counter medications, you know, painkillers, you know, things like that that you could, you know, just get over the counter. But uh, we got a lot to run through here. Uh, so uh, Bruce, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go ahead on that, and then we can move on down to the uh, the other thing, which I think this next part is where the two of you are going to shine. But go on. Uh,
2: yeah. So. <laughs> I didn't really think about the, uh, the uh, Marty's point there that, uh, people watch those things for entertainment I, I, I guess I didn't really comprehend it because, um, I don't spend money on any of those things to find enjoyment. So I, it, it kind of eluded me that, that point, but anyway. I would also throw in um a caveat to all of this. We're we're saying yes, you should be storing up and you should be storing up uh, food supplies anyway. That that should be something that you do and you constantly rotate the oldest out, you know, and and it's are replenishing your stock. Yes, yeah. insurance you can eat. Yeah. Exactly. This is this is this is something that you should be doing just because of what if there's a natural disaster, earthquake, uh, you know, a storm comes through or you have some kind of shutdown of, of government or societal shutdown. You know, uh, if you're in a city location within 72 hours, um, you're, you're out of food, like the city's out of food within that time period. They, they, they have to restock it uh, every three days. With that, all that said, we are in a time when the economy, this is, this is unknown to us. This is completely new territory. We have never seen a government, well, the world, really all governments have so much debt and so much money circulating that their economy hasn't collapsed. I mean, this, this this defies logic. I mean, just looking from the American side of things, having one hundred and twenty trillion dollars, one hundred and forty trillion that we know of that was printed within the last twelve years, and then another eighty percent of what we currently have now in cash in circulation was printed within the last two years. I mean. When you have those kind of numbers and statistics, the last time we've seen this in history was Weimar Republic. We all know what happened there. We've seen other examples, Venezuela. They've had similar instances, but anyway, all that to say this, we could just be blowing smoke and this could all just, I mean, we may not see a collapse because this is all new territory. This is all how they're rigging the system, how all of this is going down. This is new. So, yeah just keep that in mind with what we're saying as well. Uh, with your food supplies and everything, it might also be, a, this kind of fits in with, in line with this, those extra services that you use for entertainment, something that you might be able to fill that time with is uh, gardening. Fill that time with growing your own produce. Um, that'll, that'll help alleviate some of the costs for uh, some, of your, some of your vegetables and whatnot. And you can do that in a small backyard or, or something like that, and for relatively inexpensive.
0: All right, so let's move on to some other things. So, along with uh, along with everything you you pointed out there, uh, let's talk about another aspect. Now, this is a worst case scenario that we're going to throw out. But more and more, I'm hearing this being thrown out there by a lot of uh, a lot of experts, a lot of strategists, a lot of preppers, things like that. This is, uh, in in my opinion, I think it's the worst case scenario. But I don't put it past the insane people that are running things. I don't put it past them, and that is something called an EMP. Meaning, an electromagnetic pulse. Now, we already deal with some of these things from time to time through solar storms, things of that nature. Bruce has talked about that many times here before. But I'm talking about something else that would be intentional, as in a nuclear detonation about 300 miles above, say, oh, I don't know, Paris or Kansas City, something like that. Do you know what that would do? That would put the entirety of Of the United States and well most of North America actually and all of Europe 200 years in the past. So let's talk about that and what people can do to protect themselves. Mainly I want to get into electronic protection because these things can be used in a limited fashion as well. They have other purposes. I talked a little bit about it yesterday. Uh, I want to talk about Faraday cages. This is a market that's growing uh, and it's growing very quickly. Now mainly you can use these things again it uh, doesn't necessarily have to be for uh, for for EMPs. It could also be for tracking. Do you like being tracked on your smartphone? Well, I don't. Do you like contact tracers for COVID? I don't. I don't at all. But what they make are these handy little things that I'm holding up here that obviously the listener can't see. This is a Faraday bag, uh, a very small one. This is designed for a smartphone, uh, a couple of key fobs and, and things like that, you know, credit cards, wallet, whatever. And you simply drop your phone into it. You seal it up no signals in or out, completely cut off. It stays in there, stays active until you need it. Then you take it out of the bag, obviously, and you can use it however you want. But while it's in there, there's no tracking, there's no calling, there's no texting, there's no messaging of any kind, no data transfers, nothing. That's the only foolproof way to not be tracked on a smartphone. They also have larger bags. I mean, that's, you know, for a uh, for a small one, they also have larger bags that you can buy. Uh, and I've got larger Faraday bags. This is one of the nicer ones. It's got a nice magnetic enclosure on it. Uh, it's a little bit bigger. This is for other items. You can throw tablets in here, small laptop, uh, that kind of stuff. They, they make laptop uh, Faraday bags as well that you, can, uh, that you can buy. This, for example, I needed something a little bit bigger because of satellite phone. Kind of need a little bit more room for a sat phone. So a sat phone, a, a mobile phone and something else, a small solar panel. Because if electricity's out, even if you're not dealing with an EMP, the electricity goes out from time to time, doesn't it? You know, if the natural disaster or whatever, then you need to be thinking about ways to power your devices because we are hooked on these things, are we not? Yeah, people like to stay on their Kindles and read a book or they like to keep their smartphone up. How are you going to do that with no electricity and the battery runs out? So think about your power consumption think about what you can do to offset that within reason. Again, this is a small solar panel. It's about the size of a small iPad, and it's about the thickness of one as well. You can pick these up anywhere from about $30 to $45, $50, whatever, uh, and they're still available. Same thing with the Faraday bags. You know, the Faraday bags are nice. As a matter of fact, I was telling Bruce the other day, I got a chance to use mine. Uh, I mean, I use the little one all the time, but I got a chance to use mine to throw some of my other things into because there was a solar storm that was approaching Europe the other day, and... Uh, it was set to cause some electronic disruptions you know some problems power outages uh, possible damage to, to small electronics and things like that well you got a lot of money in these things for example if you have a satellite phone and I know that those are kind of unattainable now uh, they're, they're very difficult it's one of the hottest commodities in the world I was lucky enough to get one for just a little bit above regular price now that this whole nonsense with Ukraine and Russia has kicked off these things are going for 3500 on the black market each. 1500 to 2500 is now the normal price that it's gone up to. And it was 1000 less than that when they were available. So if you can get your hands on one of those, again, that's something that operates independently off the grid. Think about that too. If you have a massive power outage, if you have a massive grid down scenario, even for a limited period of time, the cell phone towers aren't going to work either. So you need to think about what you can do there for communications if that's something that's a priority for you. But again, you know, I'm, I'm working on something else here. I'm working on a a, a Faraday cage for uh, just here at the house. Uh, I'm working on a small box. I went down to the local uh, home improvement store today and I bought one of those, um, Marty, you call it polystyrene, but in, in the US we call it styrofoam. Uh, I got a um, a cooler, you know, one of those, the, the box, you know, polystyrene boxes because the lid actually causes a seal around the top, as in it will fit down inside of that box. And you need that seal with a regular cardboard box. You can't do that. And then, of course, you go on Amazon. You can buy a lot of this Faraday uh, material, the fabric. You can buy it now, and then you can line boxes and things like that with that material. But you need a good seal around it. And anything you put in there Will be protected from any kind of EMP, solar events, that that kind of stuff. Again, I'm just I'm throwing ideas around here. This these are things that are a priority for me, and I'm I've been stocking up on these things as you can well see here. Um, th- these are things that I've been picking up a little bit at a time. When they become available, and as I said, they're still available now. Uh, and I'm listing the prices off here, and you can pick these things up on uh, Amazon if you don't have a store you can go to and get one. But they're available, and I think they're a good investment if you're you're worried about like communications and uh, and things like that, because that's going to be something else that's key in uh, uh, in a natural disaster scenario or or an economic collapse or a grid down.
1: In the event of such a, a breakdown, you're going to trade that item to me for the <laughs> case of Heinz baked beans yeah, right. that I've got <laughs> spare. So I so, gave you my uh, number. I gave you my cell phone number. <laughs> I know. I've said this before and it doesn't apply in the UK. Watching a few documentaries about preppers and the documentaries were were really made by people who were making fun of the preppers. And it, it's not fair because they, it makes perfect sense to be ready. I, you know, at the time I was watching these documentaries a, a good few years ago, I still trusted my government to a certain extent. I know they're politicians, and I, and I know that they're they're all full of crap. But back then, I still trusted my government. Nowadays, I think more and more people do not trust their governments. Unfortunately. They still trust the media. That's the problem. But anyway, on the prepping side of things, if you've got enough firearms, you don't need to prep. You can just take your mates and go and take the preppers' stuff if they're if if they're not ready to defend it. Here in the UK, we haven't got that choice, so it's uh, it's a case of um, making sure nobody else knows that you've prepared. You know, don't don't make a big thing of it by little and often and just store it. I am not ashamed to say that I've got a room in my house that has uh, a set of shelves that we got from that that famous Swedish company, um, which also has blue and yellow as its main flag. Those shelves are now stocked with canned goods, bottled goods, things that do not go off. And one of the other things I've done is is to reinstate my fireplace with a cast iron wood burner. So with the wood stocks, not not the not the music festival, but the stock of wood that I have, I could probably last three or four months without
0: even bothering to go and cutting it, you know, going and cutting a tree down. Can I make a suggestion? And the love Yes, by all means. And it's great you have all those things, but have you considered this? Have you considered possibly and this is on my list as well. And I do have these things. I've been picking these up. Have you considered picking up uh and I would highly recommend that you do a set of cast iron cookware. Uh not you
1: Oh, know, we we skillet, we already pot. Cook yeah. pot. You know, yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Because you can just stick it straight on the top exactly. of the cast iron wood exactly. burner and you have and no idea. Well,
0: you you have an idea, but you, well, we all know that uh, when you're in a place where, for example, if you're out camping or something like that and it's really cold and you're, and you're outside or whatever, you have no idea, the average person out there, you have no idea how uplifting it is to have a warm meal or a hot drink. Uh, and that's that it is, it is so important uh, to have these things to give you that little bit of a morale boost that you need uh, in times of hardship like that. So, uh, I think having yeah. a, even a, a small set of cast iron cookware uh, and, a, and means to heat your uh, heat your home uh, and and cook over a fire. I mean, that's quite frankly, I think it's better food anyway when you cook like it, that. It
1: very, very important. Only ever on exercise, I have had to go completely tactical and just eat cold food, no fires. But that was with the old ration packs that the um, UK military had in which everything could be apart from the beverages, yeah, in which everything could be eaten cold. The new ration packs are all boil in the bag and need to be heated. They're delicious, that they are really good quality and and you know it's not a case of like oh was it crocodile Dundee, it tastes like shit, but you can live off a situation. These things are quite good. but I remember as, as a young soldier that the best thing in the world, First thing in the morning um, after you've had like two and a half hours sleep because you've been stagging on during the course of the night. And before stand two, you're getting your breakfast, but the best thing in the world was the tin of fruit salad because basically it was sweet, it was fruity, it had flavor. You had to brush your teeth immediately afterwards because it was so full of sugar, but it really gave you a lift in the morning. But yeah, hot food is definitely something that that does pick you up and I certainly am prepared in that in that respect so yeah cast iron cookware something to boil water in that just goes so that fire in the middle of your house it heats the whole house it provides you with with light you haven't got a TV to watch because um everything's been shut down but you can watch the flickering flames and it's very mes- nature's, mesmerizing nature's TV it's nature's TV yeah exactly nature's TV and and you can cook on it so yeah fantastic ideas cast iron wood burners
0: you mentioned there about uh, 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 about boiling water one of the thing that i would i would recommend would be um something similar to this i mean this is just something that's very basic this is something that i carry with me in my pack everywhere i go this is uh this is a small water filter this will filter enough water for one individual for up to five years, this one filter. Uh, and you can buy these filters. This is a life straw. Now I, I know these are kind of, you know, cheap and gimmicky or whatever, but they actually work. Uh, and there are other ones made by, uh, I think there's a company called Sawyer. Uh, they make one as well. Uh, GP actually turned me onto that. They will filter up to 100,000 gallons of water. Uh, also you can buy cheap coffee filters at stores now. Uh, you can buy, I don't know, 100 filters for like, what, 30 cents or 40 cents or whatever it is. And if you use uh, a whole stack of uh, coffee filters, you'd be surprised how clean that can get your water. Of course, you're still going to have to boil it,
2: but uh, that's a surefire way to, uh, to start filtering your water. Bruce, you want to jump in there? I'm going to come from the sciencey nerdy side of things, because you mentioned the Faraday bags and uh, preparing for EMP and that kind of thing. I was just going to bring out a little bit of uh, the science when, when an EMP goes off the the uh, radio waves, or the, the the waves off of that, are anywhere from the size of a human to about the size of a telephone pole. It varies uh, somewhere in that range. So the the Faraday bags and the the boxes that you're making, those kind of things, it would be if you're unable to get a hold of um, the material uh, you were talking about, Johnny. You can use other things that are like a, a conductive metal screen, uh, or or something you know of a of a smaller like that. I, I would imagine. Probably uh, chicken wire would work as well, but I would I would prefer something a little smaller than that. Just at the off chance that something that the wave hits just the right angle and gets through. Uh, but again, uh, the the wavelength is so large that so basically what happens uh, as I've had it explained when an EMP goes off, you may actually your house may not actually be hit by one of the waves. What'll happen is is it'll hit one of the power lines that's close to your house. It'll either travel through the power line or it will uh, be magnified or or reflected or um, from, you know, another material or something around you. And uh, that could end up hitting your your devices in your home or what what have you. The other thing is, is uh, if the EMP is done above atmosphere, it's unlikely to damage satellites past the blast radius. Uh, my understanding with how an EMP works is it travels. It, it requires the atmosphere to really generate the the electromagnetic pulse. There's a interaction with the molecules that creates the the uh, electromagnetic force or 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 uh, well, it's a, it's a pseudomagnetic pseudo magnetic field that goes on anyway. Without that, it doesn't it doesn't get produced in space. So if they do it high enough, it won't affect satellites. So your satellite phone would still work uh gps those kind of things would still work assuming they weren't directly hit by the explosion itself which explosions in space tend to 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 travel further than they would on earth because no atmosphere no no air uh air resistance this um what you're just saying there bruce is
1: bringing back floods of memories about long conversations with my grandfather who was um a very free-thinking man educated in science and engineering And uh, you're right, because that kind of energy can't pass through a vacuum. Now, ideally, we'd create a vacuum here around our building or whatever by, by double thickness walls with a cavity that you'd pump out and have a vacuum. But you cannot create a perfect vacuum here on Earth. But in space, no one can hear you scream. No, in space where you don't have that atmosphere for the energy to propagate through, all that would happen is, if it was powerful enough, the detonation in going in the direction, Bear in mind it's going 360 degrees all the way around, the stuff that's moving out from atmosphere or towards into deeper space would simply regenerate at the next physical mass that it met. So that could be another planet, an asteroid, whatever. But here inside Earth's atmosphere, the real danger is where the wavelength of the original EMP gets broken down into harmonics as it passes through other things. If you imagine, without boring the listeners too much, if you imagine, do you remember the old uh, CB radios? If someone had a home station, oh yeah, and they yeah, so on the AM, on the amplitude modulated system which was the better system you couldn't actually have them they were they, you needed a license to have the am but you could have the fm one which just has a a short little aerial and that aerial is a harmonic length of the wavelength so it's it's a dipole either half or quarter or an eighth of the wavelength so as this as bruce correctly described enormous wavelength from the EMP starts heading towards the planet, as it hits things, it gets modulated by physical objects and continues to travel. So so that's the danger. So the only real way is, as Johnny has said, is something to be completely encased in a Faraday bag or a Faraday cage. And I don't think I'm going to go to those extremes. I don't blame you for doing so. But I watch too much television as it is. The fact the day it gets fried is probably
0: a good day for me. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll just, get back to playing board games and reading. And it's essentials though. It's it's communications in some way, shape, or form. It's a GPS. Of course, the phone has a GPS on it as well. If you have a satellite phone, most of them come with GPSs anyway. But, because why not, right? It's dual purpose use. And then flashlight. Obviously, you want to throw some flashlights in there because you're going to be in the dark after all, right? It, in worst case scenario, again, this is just worst case scenario. Uh, some of those headlamps, yeah, those are those are good to have in there. Throw your little solar panel in there as well because the uh, the chips that uh, enable the uh, the connections in those solar panels those are going to get fried too. For example, I got a, I got a Faraday bag that was big enough to carry both my small solar panel and my sat phone and my charging cables and everything else that I can throw in there just in case. So, I mean,
2: it's, I yeah, would, it is a bit extreme. It is a bit extreme. Sorry. Go ahead, Bruce. I would throw in as well, uh, rechargeable batteries and, um, a battery bank. Um, oh yeah, the Uh, obviously packs, you'll right. have to look at, you're, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll need to look at each battery to find out how it's manufactured to find out the, the proper uh, storage voltage. Because I know some batteries, if you drain it too much, you're going to destroy the battery. And if you keep it overcharged or you know too high of a charge, it's going to cause bloating and that kind of stuff over time. So be sure to know what you'll, you'll have to look that up. If one is so inclined,
0: I, I and I found this out over the weekend, there is a way that you can kind of safeguard against exactly what you're talking about. Now, if somebody doesn't have this ability, okay, I can understand. But If you want to try and minimize the confusion and everything else, as you're talking about, the company that I bought the solar panel through, there's many that do this. It's not just that one. A lot of times they'll have battery banks and rechargeable batteries that are sold that are the same brand and they're compatible with those portable solar panels that you buy. Take a look at those as well, because those they really aren't that much more. You know, it might be an extra 15, 20 dollars to buy those things on top of the solar panel. So I think that's a good deal, to be honest.
2: And honestly, it's something else that might you guys are talking about. Um, worst case scenario, um, it might actually your TV may be down and all of that, but it might actually warrant um, saving a you can you can buy for relatively cheap fairly small DVD players with a built-in screen and talking about entertainment and keeping yourself occupied you might be able to save one of those with rechargeable batteries and a few DVDs that you enjoy or something um, saved inside there as well for entertainment purposes or uh, trade order. I'm regretting now the fact that we used to have those. Exactly
1: as Bruce described, the small DVD players, because they are really good for entertaining small people in the back seats of the cars. But nowadays everyone's on their phone streaming stuff on the phone and they don't need those kind of additions. I've thrown thousands of pounds worth of electronics, obsolete electronics, which in a time of the worst case scenario would be really useful, especially if you've got some, some good box sets. I couldn't believe it the other day. There's a new series on tv it's it's uh a real life story sort of it's it's semi-autobiographical from this doctor um it's called this is gonna hurt and it's about him going through being a junior doctor to becoming a consultant working in obs and gyne's so lots of birth and that but it, it was advertised on dvd no one's advertising dvds anymore everyone's streaming everything so Actually, having something physical that you own—the box set—is yeah. is quite an important thing. I've I've got in the fact, there's one which I, I don't have anymore because I lent it to someone in in Abu Dhabi. Uh, only because I lent it to them ironically because the gentleman in question was Pakistani, and the box set was "It Ain't a Half Hot Mum," which was a, a series about the British Army concert party in India, and I thought you'll love this. And I think he did love it because he never gave it back to me. I left the country and I still couldn't get it back off of him. So I wish I still had that.
0: Hmm. Uh, a couple of the things that I wanted to go over here really quickly, and then we can, uh, we can call it a night. Barter and trade, as we've kind of just touched on through just about everything, there's going to be a barter and trade system uh, in a time of economic hardship. So uh, be prepared to have uh, the bare essentials, uh, as in like flour, sugar, bullets, uh, coffee, th- these types of things. These are all going to be in, in, in high demand. Don't forget salt salt. salt. salt, yeah, as well. Not only for yourself, but also to have a little bit to, uh, to trade. Rice as well is another big thing. I also wanted to touch on hygiene products. Again, those are going to be very scarce. Do I have to tell anybody about the toilet paper that happened in the beginning of COVID, right? Think about that. Think think about not just yourself, but think about any females that are going to be around with you. Feminine hygiene products as well, because those are going to become scarce as well. So be thinking about that. Also seeds. Yes, I mean seeds. I mean seeds to grow your own food. Seeds, in times of economic distress, shall we say, become more valuable than gold. And that's not even hyperbole. Look at Venezuela. If they could trade actual food seeds down there, how much do you think those are going for? I would imagine quite a bit. Also, I did briefly mention it earlier, over-the-counter medications. Any kind of over-the-counter medical supplies that you can get, as in you know things to uh, to clean wounds, such as any kind of uh, antiseptics, iodines. I mean, these are these are relatively inexpensive. Uh, any type of rubbing alcohols, isopropyl alcohols, any type of wound dressings, uh, bandages ointments, you know, triple antibiotic ointments, any kind of salves, uh, these types of things, pain relief medications such as paracetamol or Tylenol if you're in the United States, aspirin, uh, and any type of uh, nutraceuticals, shall we say, vitamins and mineral supplements. Those are going to be uh, key to have as well.
2: I would throw in if you have any kind of like um, medical reliant medications, you should have a, 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 su- a surplus of that uh, on hand as well. Uh, things like, um, as an example, this is going to be very difficult to get a hold of if if things collapse like this. But having a way to store things like insulin, a- as an example, have a way to not only store it but keep it refrigerated. So you're you're going to need some kind of solar panel. You're going to need some kind of refriger uh, refrigerator or something like that. Um, so you could theoretically, honestly, you could you could make a small box that could house a small refrigerator, and and you would you would be good with that. Just keep yeah. it unplugged.
1: Yeah, I mean, with respect to insulin, here in the UK, if you are diabetic, insulin is free. In the US, I believe you still have to pay for it, although it's usually covered by healthcare insurance. Here in the UK, they don't like to give you more than a month's worth of non controlled, sorry, more than three months worth of non controlled drugs uh, and prohibited substances. But the ones that are uh, restricted, uh, are the 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 ones that are more effective at dealing with pain so that's all 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 the opiate based painkillers but you should be able to get around about three months worth of uh, of medication. Insulin itself does need to be refrigerated for longevity, but it will survive quite adequately and for long periods as long as it doesn't get too hot. So if you've got a cellar, that's a nice steady 10 degrees those kind of areas uh would be a really good place to store your insulin if you cannot refrigerate it but a normal pen you can have that out of the fridge for two or three days maybe a week before it starts to deteriorate so um yeah very important but one of the things i was going to mention you can't get it here in the uk which is a real pity but you could buy it in in um over the counter in the middle east and i'm I bet you can buy it in in the US. Is uh, lidocaine sprays? Yes. For toothache. Yes. Because toothache can send you completely mad. Yes. And you know it's unfortunate if you can't get to a dentist because all the dentists are in the same situation as you and they're not turning up for work. And you've got toothache. You need some way to control that, and you can use that stuff, and it it really does knock the pain right down. However, eventually you're gonna to have to extract that tooth. Yeah,
0: at which time you will need a multi-tool with a set of pliers on them. Yeah, uh, and I don't wish and that on anybody. And whiskey, a lot of whiskey. <laughs> you, you need something
1: at that point, certainly. So yes. let's just hope uh, and stay positive that this worst case scenario doesn't come up, but these are all things that people
0: need to think about just in case. Yeah, there's one last thing that I would uh, that I would recommend, and this is this is purely optional. Uh, but this is something that I've been working on, uh, Bruce. You know this. I've been working on this for uh, off and on over the last uh, the last twelve months or so, uh, and I've I've honed my skill on it a little bit. But it's one of those things where you can continue on with it, and you're never going to be as good as you should be with it. But it's one of those things you can just keep at, and that is, and you gentlemen will probably know what this is. That is lock picking. Uh, I have been yeah, Marty's already laughing at me. I have been uh, working on my uh, my lock picking skills for the last year or so. Uh, I got myself a great set of lock picks. Uh, this comes from a uh, company that makes lock picks here in Germany. It's called MultiPick. You can buy these anywhere. That you listen to us from. These are available. Uh, They ship all over the world. These are probably some of the best lock picks uh, in the world, as in for quality and uh, and everything like that. Uh, And you can get yourself uh, various different sets that uh, that are out there. You can get different tensioners. You can get different uh, styles, depending on what's comfortable for you. Uh, I've been working on these things. You can go on Amazon. I know you, but I haven't found these anywhere else. You can go on Amazon and you can buy training locks. You can get door locks, you can get padlocks, you can get uh, different, uh, different types of house locks, and they're clear. So you can actually see, it's a clear acrylic, you can actually see through them, and you can see each pin that you're working, uh, that you're going to be dealing with. Again, it's an optional skill, but I think during times of um, economic despair, I think it would be a great skill to have, uh, to, to possess, because think about it, if you're on the move, let's say you're out and you're you're looking for supplies or whatever you're on the move and i don't know a storm comes up or you need, let's just say you need to get off the, uh, you need to get off the beaten path. You need to get off the road. Why would you build shelter when you can get into a building? You know, you don't want to break out windows. You don't want to smash open the door because that's going to give away your position of where you are. Maybe some other people that are not too friendly are around. So you want to do it quietly. That kind of thing. I mean, I'm just saying this is a, this is a skill that I've been working on for quite some time. Uh, and it's something that, uh, that I decided to do and it's a fun hobby. Uh, while you're at it, as well, so you can just sit at your desk and you know you're doing your work, whatever it is you're doing on your Zoom calls or whatever, and you can pick a lock. You know, it's just it, it's fun to do. It's it's a hobby, and there's an actual sport of it. It's called lock sport. You can uh, you can get into that stuff too. So um, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and now I can see that uh, it is indeed a possibility in uh, in the near future that a skill like that might be useful.
1: I I applaud your ingenuity uh, and dedication to the cause. I have also got a a lock picking kit. Um, well, do you this one is for small <laughs> locks i'm now for the benefit of the listener i'm now holding up a small wood chopping axe that i use to make kindling as well the so it's a thing,
0: multi-purpose tool the only thing you're missing is your uh your hockey mask from from friday this the 13th.
1: this this is a boarding axe based on <laughs> the 1805 model from um Horatio nelson's navy um that's for slightly larger locks and this is sometimes known as a crowbar or a jimmy um, for, for bigger locks. Looks like a and, and um, from the fire. Elsewhere, I, I have a splitting maul, which is an axe on one side and a, and a sledgehammer on the other side of the head for really, really big locks. So, yeah, I, I totally agree, Johnny. Lock picking is a great
0: hobby and a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I found it uh, yeah, found sarcasm. It- can you tell? Can you tell oh, yes, of course. Yes, oh, of right, course okay. I can tell. Right. Because you have all of the lock picking skills already mastered and it took a lot less time. So I, I'm sitting well, here now wondering why I wasted all my time and all my effort into picking locks. Do you know how much religion I've <laughs> lost picking locks? You have no idea.
1: <laughs> if locks need to be picked. Then one of the best things
0: is is a substance called debt cord. Well, in times of economic hardship, Marty, I don't keep a lot of that stuff on hand.
1: <laughs> well, there'll be plenty of it about. It's like uh, it, there's a film. Um, we were warriors. Yeah, is that the one with um, Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. Yeah, about about the uh, air cavalry in yeah. Vietnam.
0: Uh huh.
1: And the um, the guy we who plays the. We were soldiers. We were soldiers. That was it. And and the guy that. Um, plays the the sergeant major, or um, he gets he gets asked, "Why haven't you got a rifle, sergeant major?" He says, "By the time I need a rifle, there'll be plenty lying around."
0: Well, again, probably, I mean, like I said, that it's,
1: cord. yeah,
0: like I said, it's 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 optional. It's it's something else that you can uh, that you can work on just in your spare time. It's a it's a good hobby. I found it to be a, uh to be a good pastime for me. Just to as I'm going about my day and you know sitting around answering emails or whatever, I can just you know, see a lock there. I'll just pick it up and I'll just start working it. You know, that Did you get a stuff. third party to order that kit for you? No, no, these are, you know, something it's interesting about that because these things, just not too long ago, maybe a few years ago, these were only available usually like on the black market kind of thing. You really couldn't get them anymore. I was going
1: to say that they, they might be available widely now, but I would imagine everyone who's bought one is on a watch list.
0: Well, um, yes, that that was that was true many, uh, many years ago, but not now. Um, It's it's become quite a hobby. And as I said, there's a there's a business here uh, in Germany called MultiPick. Uh, Again, I've I'll give them a plug. They make great products. Um, I got a nice little kit here. This kit, though, uh, to be fair, these are these are some of the um, these this this pick here. This is called a Bogota kit. And this will get you into, I'd say, and I've got four custom picks in here as well. Uh, this will get you into, I'd say, maybe oh, I don't know, ninety percent of the locks in the world. And that's not even that, that's not hyperbole. That's not that's not a joke. This will get you into just about every kind of lock. This will not get you, Did you into say it's locks? called
1: Bogota.
0: Bogota, yes.
1: As in Bogota in Colombia. Yes. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just 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 for when i look look for no, it later I, on and no there's a, there's
0: one. yeah yeah there's a there's a uh, there's a company here uh, again that makes them and they make uh, it's very good quality picks there's no rough edges or anything like that and you can really tell the quality uh when when you pick it up and you start working a lock and they're very comfortable in your hand uh and again it comes with a nice little um you can order one with a nice little leather case uh and it's nice and compact and it'll fit right in your pocket
1: and of course with a water purifier and a wood burner with a cast iron pan to sterilize them. They also double up as, as an effective set of dental tools
0: that is true if you go to some of these um, uh, these festivals and things that they have they're actually they have lockpick tools that are actually right next to some dental tools you can buy and dent- yeah, back the back same back, company. it's the
1: same process to make them yeah the it? same yeah. company
0: will make them yeah that's that's the thing yeah. the same company will actually make them uh in a lot of cases but anyway all right gentlemen that's all i had is there anything else that either one of you would like to uh to add there i mean i just i had that last little thing that i wanted to throw in because again i think it's uh, i think it's a valuable thing to have uh is that that kind of skill it's it's, it's it's not a skill that you run across often and it can be very useful to not just yourself, but to others.
1: Now, all my joking aside, if you need to find shelter uh, and it's got a perfectly functioning door when you get there, you want it to have a functioning door once you're on the inside. And hopefully you'll be able to get in and lock it from the inside using the same, the, the same techniques. And yeah, no, it, it does make sense, but I, I was being a little bit facetious uh, and I do agree that Johnny is a good skill to
2: have. I would uh, also throw in um, to, uh, to go along with those locks. You need to know the locations that may have the supplies that you will probably need. In and in the event that it comes down to the point of uh, civilization breaks down uh, and it's pretty much every man for himself at that point, you do need to know where those other supplies that you may need are stored uh, and where to use those lockpicks. picks. Um, uh, y- y- you should already have kind of a map already laid out either in your head or on paper, whatever the case is uh, locations that you can go, uh, you know, to, to get away from others uh, that also has, Water sources, food sources, you know, those, those kind of things. So it, it, it's good to have kind of a knowledge of the area you, you're going to be. What you're saying, Bruce, is you need to case the joint, uh, to,
1: to be blunt, isn't it? it basically, uh, yeah, Basically, yeah. I'm to, case you need to, joints. I'm always yeah, casing places. You need to, to know what type of lock you're going to be facing so you can perhaps go somewhere where it'd be okay to practice on a similar lock so that when the time comes, you're in like Flynn, as we like to say.
2: Well, you you should already be technically you should already be casing joints anyway. To put it in slang terms, because anytime you go into a location, you should be well. We we've talked about uh, we awareness have situa- and situational, situational awareness. awareness you awareness, you yes. you're looking at that. So yeah,
1: the thing about most local supermarkets, not the big hypermarkets, but the thing about most local supermarkets is they have roller shutter doors which are electrically locked. Um, however, in the event of an EMP that electrical lock may not may not work
0: stores stores are going to be the first ones to get emptied uh that's that's not going to be an option you get down to a supermarket somewhere uh unless you're in the door in like the first i don't know five minutes that place is going to be completely looted so those are going to be off the table so yeah uh it's it's just a matter of uh of preparing yourself at home as best you can uh and then waiting to get yourself on the other side of it so
1: this is very important for us here in the uk because in the worst case scenario, we've got nowhere to run. We're a little island. We're surrounded by water. We, we can't run east because that's where the enemy will already be. And we can't move west because the ocean is too big to cross. So we really do need to stay put and survive in the worst case scenario, which, of course, we hope won't
0: happen and don't have nightmares, everybody. Well, it's been an extra long one today, but I think given the topic that we discussed, it was justified and it was in a, it's it been a fantastic conversation to have with the two of you as well. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We love having you as a listener. If you could do us a big favor and just tell five friends about us, do you know someone that you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it if you would just tell five friends about us. That's all. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for being here this evening. Bruce and I will be on the exclusive tomorrow. Everyone else, have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Good night, everybody.